Ladies and gentlemen, it's a Mingry Nation podcast, and it is a wonderful Sunday. Um, you know, I'm drinking coffee. I don't know what kind of breakfast I'm going to have. I know there was kind of an interest. That, you know, like, the guy had waffles. The guy had an omelet. What's he going to have today? Uh, I don't know. I don't know quite yet. I'm not super hungry. Uh, I ate like, kind of like a lot of pizza yesterday, you know? Like, you know, it feels like that feeling carries over. You're like, man, I ate pizza yesterday. Um, drowning your sorrows in pizza? <laughs> well, I was drowning my sorrows in beer, and also I didn't feel like doing any work work, like real life work. Uh, I have that hanging over me. But, folks, I want you to know, Aldo's with me again. Say hi to the people, Aldo. Good morning, everybody. I'm coming in through my iPods instead of the, or excuse me, AirPods instead of the microphone due to... Yeah. I, I was I was wondering I was like did you have Mike Bloch or Seth Luttrell kind of set up your audio visual system there because I feel like they they coordinated that setup there just given how much trouble you were having you know <laughs> I I was unprepared and did not know the playbook yeah does this go here it does it what like it just basically when we hit record Aldo was panicking and he threw an interception is what we're saying um yeah so all right let's let's start with the headline we lost. We lost twenty four seventeen and uh in a very old school score line, you know. Um I remember like the Cowboys scoring. I remember I remember I'm so old that I remember when like the Cowboys scored twenty four and I was like, Oh, that's a it's a high scoring game. They scored some points today. Um, you know. Offensive powerhouse right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, like thirty points. Oh jeez, you know. They were just moving up and down the field that day. Well, here here we go. Here's what we have. Uh, we have a good defense, a solid defense. I don't want to say good, right? They started out like about a C minus, you know. They they were getting gapped, they were getting killed, uh, and then later on they they kept competing. They were ta- making tackles in the backfield. They put the offense on the field with enough time to go score a touchdown. Um, that didn't happen, right? That was they, they all failed. But I think they made up for their early struggles. They held. I think I did some of the math. Um, did you know, Aldo, that Louisiana Tech had something like 160 yards uh, of offense in the first half? Excuse me, in the first quarter, and then only that they they only had 42 yards less of that. It's like 120 or something like that. The rest of the way, the defense held them to basically nothing. Didn't let them do anything. Uh, got some turnovers. Messed them up. Got the ball back. Forced them to miss field goal. Um, they sort of did a goal line stand from the two yard line when Smoke Harris nearly took it to the house, uh, stopped them at the two and they forced them to kick a field goal that made it 24, nothing. And that was what second quarter Louisiana tech did not score or get even close to scoring past that point. Um, uh, that's the bright spot, right? That's the, you know, things ain't so bad kind of feeling. Um, did you know any of that? Did you have that feeling? Uh, yeah, so, you know, th- there was that, that feeling of dread at the beginning of the first quarter where you're like, oh, well, I guess this is who we are. Um, but then but then they made adjustments and they, they you know, settled down and, and the defense was, was looking pretty, you know, Conference USA level decent. Yeah. Uh, right, were so, those adjustments, you know, when that guy with the ball starts running, maybe we should tackle him. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him get past you. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, we still did a lot of pass interferences, but, you know, yeah, I think that just to keep it interesting, you know what I mean? You can't have a drama without a little conflict, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? 
Uh, you know, you watch I Love Lucy, and Lucy gets into some shit. And you're like, Lucy, what are you doing? But if she doesn't do that, there's no show. So she has to do that. Quinn Whitlock has to do a passenger friends just to make it interesting, right? Otherwise, it'd be he boring. Those hijinks. Yeah, yeah. Well, why allow him to, to be a shutdown corner? Just mm-hmm. let him, let everybody get past him. Mm-hmm. If Lucy would have listened to Ricky, he was like, look, stay home. Uh, it's going to be fine, you know, where everything. And she's like, no, I got to sneak into the show. And then hijinks ensue, you know? I, I like that show. It's funny. But I hate that show because she's always getting into stuff. Um, I, I you know, used to come on like in the morning after cartoons or something, so I'd end up watching it. Uh, and like my grandparents would be like, oh, yeah, I love the show. Anyway, there's I Love Lucy talk on the Mingo Nation podcast, folks. So um, the offense, still bad. Jace Reuter, uh seeing ghosts out there, he, look, a lot of bad technique. I saw this. The, the announcer was like, oh, "His elbow is real down. He's not where it needs to be." You could see that. I, I, we all could see that. I think a uh, friend of the show, Greg Godecker, was like, uh, "Where all our throws are off our back foot." You, I mean, anywhere you look, you just see a lot of bad technique. Now, it's one thing if you are, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, and you know, you make up your own technique. You know what I mean? Like that's one thing. For the vast majority of people. Technique is how you make your living, basically, right? Like, the fundamentals, you know? Is your foot where it needs to be? Is your weight transfer the right, uh, you know, transferring appropriately? Is, you know, are you, like, your elbow where it needs to be? Are you, you know, all, doing all the things to give yourself a chance? If you're not, um, you know, an all-timer, then you need to be doing the techniques. And I'll, I'll interrupt myself. With a story, I remember Prince, the story about Prince, right? It was some guy who's like playing guitar, whatever. And they were like learning, uh, uh, he was going to join, um, you know, the revolution. And he was trying to learn the songs and he, kept, he couldn't remember. And he was like, hey, are you a musical genius? And he's like, uh, I mean, no. I, uh, he's like, I don't, I don't need to write them down. I'm Prince. You write the songs down. <laughs> so that, that's, that's it. If you're not Prince, write the songs down, right? If you're not Patrick Mahomes... And, you know, nobody's ever said, you know, you're just like Patrick Mahomes. You just have preternatural talent. Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Dan Marino, you know, even Tom Brady or something like that. If you're not any of those guys, then you need to have great technique. And same thing with your coaching staff. If none of these guys are like, you know, the, you know this guy's going to change the nature of football itself, uh, then teach them some technique or something, man. I don't know. You know what I mean? So there's yeah, and interruption. The, the tough the the tough thing about this uh with his situation in particular is that that you never really saw him face against real time action so you know the, the you see him at practice or or you get good words from from his coaches down at North Carolina and you think okay well he'll be a better veteran presence he's going to help the team and you put him throw him out there and and all that technique goes in the trash cuz he's panicking he's rolling around his his feet are spread super wide. He just looks funny throwing the ball. And <laughs> if you see that, that means he's not throwing it right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why he, the ball's sailing, uh, underthrown, behind him. It, you saw it from game one, right, where the ball was just not being placed in the right place. It was, it was enough that the guys could make plays on it, but guys can't make plays on, on misthrown balls all year long. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you've had the games that we've seen the last few days or last few weeks. Um, Ani was put out there and 
I think I think that's what we have to do moving forward is just go with Ani until Ruder figures it out. And he might not. Yeah, uh, just going back to that, right? I think, um, you know, somebody asked, like, why did we why did we get this guy? I mean, weren't the signs there? This dude hasn't played in, you know, forever or whatever, whatever it was, right? Like, you know, like he, he hasn't gotten any time. And so shouldn't that have been a red flag? I think you you don't ever turn down talent, right? Like here's a guy, he has ability, he has an arm, he has the skills. You gotta see what he has, right? That's the nature of the game. There's nothing wrong with that. Um but yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I'm looking at Bailey Zappi who threw for like three seventy against Indiana last night, right? Um, and I don't think he's thrown less than three hundred yards against uh, you know, his competitions thus far. And you got Zach Kitley over there, uh, the offensive coordinator from Houston Baptist, like a team that we saw slice us up last season. And when, you know, all that came open, I don't know if we, we probably did reach out, you know, somebody was probably sending them a text like, Hey, uh, North Texas here could use a quarterback and maybe even an offensive coordinator. And, you know, maybe a couple of receivers, um, like Western Kentucky, they just basically imported that whole offense. Uh, and I don't know what conversations had, but we didn't get him. And I think that the ultimate result is like there was a guy in state that had proven himself against Texas Tech and North Texas and somebody else. He can do some things, and we didn't we didn't get him. I don't know. I want to say we didn't reach out, but we did not get him. Um, and then you look over at oh, Austin Kendall, right? He didn't play yesterday, but he was a West Virginia guy. Left. Uh, I mean, he played at West Virginia, and. You know, he he retired, and then Louisiana Tech reached out, and they got him on their squad. And he's had success so far. You can see that they don't really trust that guy, uh, Allen. Is it Austin Allen? They're number three. Yeah. And then uh, they like that the younger guy, Head, um, the guy we injured. Uh, you can tell why they like him, because he threw a beautiful ball, just dropped it in the bucket, just bloop, right there, the way they teach you. They practice that. You know, they, they have the step back, and they throw it, and they put a trash can out there to drop it in literally the bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Well, you know, what am I saying? Um, there are two quarterbacks, right, that were available with experience, as you're saying, right, that against live competition demonstrated history of success, and we didn't get them. Instead, we got a guy who had talent but not a whole lot of proven accept, uh, success against, you know, competition, high-level competition. By high-level, I'm saying FPS competi- competition. So, you know, you can... I'll I will agree with you, and I don't think it was bad to take the shot, but I also think it's it's bad to not, you know, it, it reminds me of the early two thousands Cowboys, and I realize this is becoming less and less relevant. But remember when the Cowboys were like trying to get like Chad Hutchinson, and they're like, this guy played baseball, maybe we'll try him out at quarterback, or yeah, you know, this guy was a wide receiver, uh, but he can throw the ball. Let's see what he could do, uh, and you just kind of like, how about we get a quarterback? You know, how about we get a guy that played some quarterback? and was good at it, and then we bring him in here and say, how about you do that thing you're good at, but here, you know? The, the only variable will change is that it's it's a different team, you know? It's not a different sport. Is yeah, that, and, and you know... Uh, sorry, I, I was going to finish that up by saying, that's my problem okay. with Ani, and you made me ruder, right? It's like, they haven't played any quarterback, and then we're bringing him here, and like, ah, oh, you sure could see how in the right circumstances they could, they could zip the ball in there. But it's not always... Quarterbacking. I mean, I wonder if the receivers can can roll out with with baseball mitts and have them catch like that, just to get <laughs> Ani more like comfortable. But um, no, back back to Ruder. Like, 
on paper, it seemed right. Yeah. You know, four-star, best prospect out of his whole state. Uh, he was at North Carolina for a long time. Uh, he didn't get a lot of playing time because he was hurt, but also stuck behind really, really good quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, but it was a miss. But the fact that, that he was starting off on the season uh, over Ruder, I mean, excuse me, over Ani, uh, the fact that, that he's a miss, does that also mean that, that I know he's gone, but Will Kuhn, was he a miss? Um, Case and Martin, is he a miss? Um, Pioneer Woman's son. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just had it. Bryce Strummond. Strummond, Bryce Strummond. Um, is he a miss? Although he's a freshman, so it, it, yeah. it might be that he, he's just not ready yet. But all the other guys that we've had on the roster. Does that mean that? Oh, we had also had a transfer. I forget his name. Um, yeah, I forget his name. Did, did, I don't. Does I that don't, mean all these guys are missing? I don't know. I mean, I'm not familiar with the decision making process. You know, in the quarterback room, where they're like, "This guy's good because of this. That guy's good because of that." Or just obviously, I I mentioned this. That you know, I, I saw a lot of people tweeting this, and I was kind of jokingly tweeting some of these too. Like, there there does come a point when. You've kind of played the game, right? You already—I've seen this show. It's the same story arc from last season, uh, just with the new cast, right? Instead of Jason Bean, Austin Ani getting pulled in the first quarter because some truly awful throws, and you know it's Jace Ruder mi- mixed in, right? Uh, you know now play the the role of Jason Bean. It's Jace Ruder, you know. That's it. <laughs> we just got a new one in there, and we're doing the same thing. Like, wow, he just threw it. 70 yards out of bounds uh, away from his receiver uh, who, you know, looks shocked and perplexed that uh, <laughs> he's confusing the stanchion with the receiver streaking down the field. And so then you have that happening. And uh, I think at some point you say, what if we just try Casey Martin? When he's supposed to be some kind of good? Nobody thinks he's going to be an NFL prospect, but like – Maybe he doesn't have a cannon arm and he can't chuck it 70 yards down the field. But, hey, maybe he can throw a five-yard out. You know, Maybe he can he can run the offense. And we'll live with that and the problems that causes uh, versus saying, you know what, he can't chuck it down the field. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you chuck it down the field and it's not – nobody can catch it, right? It doesn't matter. And it's effectively right. not, no value. Nobody else has proven to be able to chuck it down the field, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> exactly, um, that's exactly it. I, I, I mean, my my personal opinion, right? Which is, I usually have other people's opinions, but hey, this one's mine. Um, is that the change in offense in 2018? I, I, I tweeted tweet about this too, and um, I forget what was that guy's name. The guy from uh, what Brody, Bean? yeah, Bodie, 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 Reader. There you go, that guy. So the, he came in, right? Like, Seth Ochoa wanted to do this already. And this is, like, a point of contention with him and, like, Graham Harrell, as I understand it. Like, the air raid offense has a reputation as a dink and dunk offense. Uh, I think, you know, uh, what's it? The original people were like, you're throwing it 50 times a game? You're crazy. A lot of that was like, well, look, we're just doing an extended handoff. Instead of turning around and handing it to the running back, if I throw it to him on a little swing route, that's the same thing. If I throw a little wide receiver screen, it's just as safe as handing the ball off. And if we get three, four yards on a run, you're like, oh, great play. If we get three, four yards on a pass, you're like, what are you doing? I mean, it's the same thing. So the idea was to spread the ball out, get the ball into playmakers' hands. But that 
can look like you're just dinking and dunking and taking little play. You know, and you're like, are you going to throw the ball? Throw it down the field, right? Daryl LaMonica, the Mad Bomber, you know, Oakland Raiders, just win, baby, right? That's the kind of pass game I want to see. Well, so the Baylor Bears, they have, and I'm simplifying this tremendously, they had a, let's go down the field, right? Let's run the ball. Let's get let's get some power in our spread offense because the spread offense had a reputation of being, like, passive, taking what you can get inside zone, outside zone, very simple. They're like, let's get some power. Let's get some blockers moving, counter, whatever. And also, let's take advantage of that by spreading them out and chucking it deep. And you can see that, right? Jair Shorter getting deep, getting real vertical. We're throwing it up to him. We've had a lot of success with that. However, it requires you to throw a great deep ball. That's hit or miss. And it also requires you to have a great run game. That's also hit or miss right now. Right, last week, Seth Rochelle was like, we couldn't run the ball. Well, that's going to take down a lot of your offense. So I say all that to say that I think that Martin came in um, and a couple of these other guys came in having run something like uh, like a classic air raid where you do a lot of pre-snap reads, you you know, sort of dink and dunk, right? Um, and the RPO, throw the ball down the field, make, a, make this kind of read, that kind of thing. That's a little bit more newer, and it's very successful. A lot of people have had a lot of success with it. Um, you know, the, like, uh, what's his name? guy from Oklahoma, has successfully blended a previous version going into the modern concepts. It can happen. Spencer Rattler. Yeah, a lot of those stuff. And, you know, everybody has their struggles because the defenses, they work on it. They're like, man, we're getting uh, sliced up by that offense. What if we study it and figure out a way to stop it? Um, so all that to say, to answer your question, I know there's a long way of getting around it, right? Are those guys misses? I don't know. But I think having switched to a little bit more to emphasize the verticality, like I said, in 2018, that was also Mason Fine's worst season. Um, we haven't really had winning seasons since we did that. And there's a lot of factors there. But um, we've had a lot of offense, but they've been empty calorie offenses, right? Well, we're down 21, and now we moved the ball up and down the field. So we got 500 yards, but we lost by 35. That's not really great to me last year we had the best offense in the in the conference but we were the worst team and it didn't matter if we're moving the ball this year i think you know everybody's like well that one guy was saving us right Jalen darn saving us maybe yeah but also they, it's, it's a little bit of offensive line you know they've been playing poorly uh a lot of the quarterbacks play has been very terrible receivers are not getting off their in their routes and all this other stuff but also i don't know that they have a whole lot of confidence that the the quarterback's going to put it on them um, play calling has been a little suspect, but also that's kind of tied to the players. They're like, what play do I call? They are not going to execute any of these. I don't believe in my players. Um, and then, you know, also the players are like, I don't, I don't know if I, I can execute this plan because I don't believe in my coach. Um, and defense is figuring it out, right? When they're sat down to game, to season prep, right? They're like, all right, who's going to take what? What are we going to prioritize? What do we have to think about as we get ready for this football season? Um, they're like, well, we got North Texas on the schedule. They average 550 yards a game. They like to do this, that, and the other. What do we have to be careful of? How do we stop them? So they were focusing on that, right? They're not like <laughs> – so they came in ready to stop them. So you combine all that. We don't even have a bailout guy anymore. Now teams are stopping them, right? They're like, hey, well, they have worse players playing these positions, executing these plays that we spent time and effort to figure out. Um, you know, good job, us. So, 
there you go. I mean, this this season has felt different because um, I mean it's a lot of the same supporting cast for the most part, right? And, on offense, and they're just they're just not. It just doesn't look right. And with regards to the quarterback position, I think there's a severe lack of trust. That's why we see so much running involved because they don't want to put it on on the quarterback's shoulders. Um, you know, if if you watched the Arkansas A&M game yesterday. It was a really good game, but KJ Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback, was knocked out for for a couple of quarters. So they brought in their backup quarterback, uh, blanking on his name, but he was he's a great runner and he's running around getting some yards. But they hardly ever ever called any passing plays to him because they couldn't trust him with his arm. He I think is a freshman or something, and and rightfully so he, he was you know doesn't know the playbook as well and he doesn't have the kind of arm and accuracy that KJ Jefferson has shown. Um, so I see the same thing with, with North Texas is that, that instead of putting the offense in a bad situation, let's see if we can run it because our running game has been pretty decent recently this year. Not great. Right. Um, at least not in important situations. Um, Toria has been able to get some yards. Like you said, it's been some empty calorie uh, yards here and there. Then um, a game like yesterday, uh, I think by the second half, Tory was already at like 90 yards or something like that. Something uh, that I was not expecting. But again, we, at that point, we had zero points. Um, so it's not. I think it's it's lack of trust, like you were saying, from the coaches and the players. And, but when things start clicking, I think it's it's going to be all right. Um, there were spurts in there where, when when not Quinn. Uh, Ani, Ani was in there. Yes, <laughs> Ani Ruder. Uh, when when Ani was in there, you know he was making plays with the le- with his legs. When when the play wasn't a run, an obvious run, you know he was scrambling and he was getting first downs. He finally had a a, a little bit of rhythm, uh, but then the uh, either either Ani was not placing the ball properly, or uh, the receivers were not catching the ball. They were getting the ball in their hands. They were, but they were dropping it. Or it was uh, uh, you know, just being tipped away from their hands. When you finally start getting rhythm going, you see things like that happen, and they falter before even getting into the end zone. It, it's pretty disheartening, uh, not just as a fan, but I'm sure for the players as well. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, I think those are all um, anecdotal evidence of like the same kind of thing. When, yeah, yes, everybody needs to play better right I, i've i think i've often said i said this at work a bunch of times uh, and we're doing like retrospective everybody's looking back like what could we have done better in this increment or whatnot? a lot of it can uh, yeah a lot of ills can be solved by just saying you know what we just got to do our job better right just do whatever you do do it every if everybody did 10 percent better then we'd be that much better right at least but some of those have compounding effects and then we're just overall better you know what i mean um, like if you, you can sort of see it here, right? Like the defense has still been poor, still allowed big, uh, big plays, but they, you know, two or three possessions where they give the ball back to the offense. All of a sudden the game feels different where it's not like, well, we're down 35, nothing. It's not like, you know what? We're down, but we got a couple stops. So the offense can, they don't feel this gigantic, you know, weight of pressure. Like, well, we, if we don't score every time, then, we are definitely going to lose. So they, you know, there's a little room for error. You can get you can get back into the game, um, and that makes 
a world of difference, right? And that just that's not really playing ten percent better. They were very bad last year, but you see my meaning. Um, and it's the same thing, right? Um, the difference between a drop pass and a first down is holding on to the ball in some cases. Uh, like last night, the final play of the game was a terribly thrown ball behind his receiver. Um, hit the guy in the hands. I forget, was it like Collins? I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, but he drops it, and that's the game, right? He catches it. There's no guarantee that we win the game, but we also are guaranteed not to lose it at that point, right? You get the first down. We can keep going. Um, and you you give yourself a chance. Uh, that's getting 10% better. Yes, that's on the receivers. Catch the ball. There's been a bunch of guys dropping passes um, because there's been a lot of injuries. And, yeah, you have to account for that. And that, that's a major factor in a lot of things. Um, going back to that 2018 season, uh, one thing I remember about it was that, like, I went to that Cal game at Cal, was that Mason Fine was getting frustrated because, like, Jair Shorter and the dude with, like, three names. Um, I can't remember his name now. He was, like, a preacher guy. Griffin? Yeah, that guy. He w- They were dropping passes. They He was hitting them. They dropped them including clutch ones, including one that would have extended the drive and uh, allowed North Texas to continue a possible game-tying drive or game-winning drive. I forget what it was. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? There was guys running the wrong direction. You could see Mason's line like, you're supposed to do this and not this, you know, pointing out that kind of stuff. You can't do it all. And there was an element to that. Jair Shorter ended up like developing a lot and then he scored like three touchdowns on three plays against Charlotte later on that same season and you know he's been injured so you're losing that so these guys they might be good enough to do some things later on but right now they're not doing everything and that's fine they're freshmen they're young guys they haven't played a lot you expect that uh you want to hold them to a high standard but also you have to recognize that you know they've only played a handful of FBS football games in some cases. So, you know, there's gonna it's it's gonna happen. Um you know, live real life college football where they, it's not practice and, and there's pressure and you're wearing the full uniform and not the practice uniform and there's cheerleaders and a band and you know, there's there's it's the real thing. That feels different. The field is a little different. I mean just everything is different. Maybe it's five percent faster and that five percent faster you haven't practiced in in those conditions or whatever. Um it's understandable. So let's give them a little bit of slack. Uh, Jace, especially because he hasn't played in forever. Um, and then the receivers also. And and I think that because of that, we can say, all right, two weeks, everybody gets to, you know, take a, a second, think about things, watch some football on Saturday, recharge, get a little bit better. We saw some improvement this past week. Seth Charles like, oh, they had a great week of practice. We saw a little bit of that, especially defensively. Um, offensively, not so much, but Ani got better. He was awful, and now he was just bad. And because everybody was, everybody was like, "Did you see this? You see?" Everybody was like, "Oh man, Ani's playing so much better. He's running, whatever." And I looked at the stat. I felt like this. I was like, "You know, Ani's. He's he probably had another." I looked down at the stat. He was like ten to twenty for sixty-nine yards. I was like, "What is this? <laughs> what are we doing out here?" <laughs> but. It's the intangibles, right? <laughs> uh, well, see, that's the thing is that, you know, like Seth Luttrell's getting paid for some tangibles. Do they give him intangible money? You know what I mean? Like, you know, when he turns around and gets his million dollars and tries to buy a car with it, do they like, eh, you, you know, we accept this money because it's legal tender? Or do they like, no, man, we can't. 
<laughs> can't do that. Well, <laughs> what I wanted to comment on that when yeah. you were saying that that you know we need to give the receivers and, and the QB some break, but yeah, Latrell has had two four win seasons in a row, right? Mm-hmm. He's had plenty of time to bring in people mm-hmm. to be better, um, whether it's better receivers or or. You know, some of these guys, well, while some of them are French, uh, yeah, coaches too, but even though, while some, some of these players might be new when you guys, a lot of these guys aren't. And so what's going on there? What, why are we dropping passes? Why are guys getting hurt? Um, why, you know, why this, why that? Yeah, I, I totally agree there, which is why I, I don't like to say this guy's bad. Let's get him out of there. Meaning the receiver, the player, whatever, like, like you, a, a player needs a, a development life cycle. No matter what, right? They're young, mm-hmm. and like I said, you're not getting a bunch of guys that are just one season away from going pro. Uh, the vast majority of football coaches, right? You know, like Nick Saban gets like ten of them, uh, and everybody else gets like one or two, and and you know, and then everybody else other than that, you maybe get one that develops into a guy that could be right. Our best receiver last year, Jalen Darden, still hasn't seen the field in the NFL. He's on an NFL roster, which is elite of elite, but he hasn't seen the field, right? It, you know, like there's there are a lot of levels here, um, and so we need somebody that recognizes that, right? So, like when we're judging a Seth Luttrell, this is why I say like three year cycle that you give them time to develop this team, uh, these guys. You're building your squad. You have some room for mistakes. You know, like you're betting on seventeen. I watched you when you're seventeen. And I think you can be good when you're 22, you know? So I'm going to spend time and effort. And sometimes it's like, you know, you didn't really pan out. I was hoping you'd be a contributor, a uh, Conference USA, you know, um, you know, all-conference guy. But instead, you're a solid special teamer and a good teammate. That's fine. You can take that. You just can't whiff on that, you know, out of a majority of the 24, 25 guys you get. And you also need to plug some holes. You're like, you know what? I missed. We thought we were going to have a great running back. We don't. Let's see if we can't get a transfer. Right? We got the guy from Stephen F. Austin that one time. Right? We, you, you find those guys to plug in here and there. Like, you know what? We thought we were going to develop some corners, but let's get this Juco guy to step up. Right? Kimon Hall's in the NFL now. Right? That's, that's what happened. That was a good choice. A couple of those other guys we brought in uh, were solid. They were starting corners for us. Uh, and then one of them was a P5 transfer. He didn't really pan out. He didn't have a great season. It happens. You kind of, you know, what you want is to win the majority of the time. Um, and then just like, you know, because you are juggling um, a roster of, what was it, 100 guys, basically, you know, 85 dudes. It's hard to hit a home run on all of them, right? You know, in, in baseball, you're like a 35%. You're like, God, oh, this guy's the best guy ever. 35% success rate. So all that said, Yes, I agree. Look at Seth Luttrell. Give him the crap. Look at his staff. Give them the crap because they're the ones in charge of the long-term project. Jace Reuter, he needs what he needs, right? He needs playing time. So he's getting the playing time. He's ha- having the uh, the ups and downs that come with that. Uh, but if our coach and staff would give him a little bit more, uh, like I said, of an environment to succeed. Also, if uh, he had like better players around him, like to recruit better players around him, then we wouldn't absolutely need Jace Reuter to dominate, right? If the run game was kicking ass, then we wouldn't need Jace. We could just like, you know what? It'd be great if Jace Reuter can 
can open up the playbook and really unleash because you know but right now we're like we need jace reuter to throw for 300 yards and he's not doing it like that might be too much to ask of him so let's not ask them let's let's focus on the coaches staff that put the project together you know yeah and, and you know I, I i think that's true to an extent but but there's some things about about reuter that i think go beyond just having uh, like more than just the run game or, or the passing game working and clicking it's, Dang, it's that, <laughs> the, the fundamentals the fundamentals are not there the jace you know? Ruder defamation league <laughs> <laughs> i mean no disrespect um but you know he's he's like you said the 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 throwing motion's not there he's not planting his feet the, the ball's not being placed like if, yeah. but let's think about a and you know he's been in the system in fbs for what three four four years and he's yeah. played played in high school for for x number of years blah 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 now think about a freshman you, you get a freshman player true freshman mm-hmm. when you put him out there he's going to make mistakes because he might not know the playbook very well college is faster he might not be able to read the field well but maybe he's he's just um, he he's probably going to be placing the ball a little bit better than what Reuter is doing right now, yeah. you know? And that may, part of it might be the panicking because of the O-line or, or what have you. He's not used to that. Um, well, and I, I, the only thing, my, my disagreement with you is I think those are correctable. I think technique, like, it, yes, you're right. Like, eight years of technique stays with you longer than, than two two months of, of changing your technique, right? I I get that, um, but I, I think you can improve it. Like it can be done even within a season. Um, I, I mean, uh, just let me note again. That was one of the things that was great about Mason Fine, is that like he and his dad were out there like practicing fundamentals, like in technique, and like he had great throwing form, right? He had all the, you know, he would hit all the spots, no hitch in his throw, whatever you want to say about his throwing arm, because I know everybody was like he can't throw a deep or something like that. Um, you know, he gave himself a chance by having excellent fundamentals, you know? So, uh, I, I, I take your point. Uh, thanks president of the Jace Reuter defamation league. Uh, but I, but I also think that it's, it, it's correctable to the point where you can get by with it. Right. Like, you know, like we don't necessarily, we don't need to use him as a teaching video for the next generation of quarterbacks. However, we just need him to throw the ball on time and with, you know, with uh, some juice on it to the guys he needs to throw it to, right? Yeah, I mean, I, and I think my frustrations just stem from how did we get to this point? Why are we here? Yeah. We should be a lot better than this. No, I agree. I I, uh, I hate to think what you say about me when uh, <laughs> when you get off this podcast. See, Adam, has it. <laughs> I don't accept it. So that blog post so he many ty- so so many typos. He, he eats waffles for breakfast. Come on, <laughs> the technique's so terrible. Um, yeah. So all right, all right. Can we get better in two weeks before we play? Uh, was it Missouri? Uh, probably not that much better. Uh, I you know like what is a reasonable level of expectation? I think it's something like let's get uh, let's it's not drop easy passes. Uh, quarterbacks, let's put it. Um, within five yards of our receivers, right? Um, <laughs> and I mean, I don't think the running game is going to get much better. That's like su- such a fundamental part of football. Like, if you can't create running lanes against, uh, was it Northwestern State, SMU, 
and Louisiana Tech. We'll, we'll kind of leave aside UAB because they're the best in the conference. It's up and run. Um, then I don't know that you're going to do any better against everybody else, right? It's like, again, going into the UAB game, you know, Seth Shelby like, wow, we couldn't run the ball. I mean, that was, yeah, that was UAB. They make it hard for everybody to run the ball. Like, I don't know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I, I tried to dunk on, uh, you know, on uh, Shaq. Didn't work. <laughs> like, yeah, don't do that. What, what are you trying to do? Like, you know, give yourself a chance. Uh, find a different way. And I don't know that we always do that. Right? And that's 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 a frustrating thing for me. That's not to say like, like at some point you have to compete, right? That's not to say don't compete or just go around them all the time. At some point you have to win your battle, right? You have to say, I need to win against this guy. And that's the nature of this game; it's a competition. However, also just recognize that you're not gonna be able to. Like maybe one time I can sneak a dunk in on check, right? But not as my primary offensive strategy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like this. No, I, I agree completely. Um, you know, watching Ani scramble around when your guys are running 10 yard hitches and then nobody's running like over the middle, you know, you don't, you're not calling plays that allow for, you know, some guy to just sit right in front of uh, uh, Ani as, as a dump off guy. Yeah. Um, you're having Tori run a wheel route all the way down the, the sideline. You've got, uh, um, you know, Simpson going for a go route and, and nobody's running a stick or a cross or anything like that. You're not setting Ani up for su- success. So, so I, I agree with you there. You know, when you can't run the ball, then you just try to go for go routes. How, how is that going to be helpful for, for anybody? Yeah. I'll say about that, right? Like, I think that in those, that, that's how you could tell that Ani and Ruder are not doing their jobs. Right that the like especially with if you you have all hitches that's a classic you know classic play one of the problems with it if it's not open now when you expect it like uh, it goes like this right you have a i forget what the what it's called right but you just have all hitches right and what you need to do is figure out which ones are going to be open right let's say you got four right you got two and two on each side uh you got to read the defense and you got to say which one is going to come open, because not all of them are going to come open. Some one, maybe one is, and then you have to be ready to throw that one. You also have to not stare it down. You have to trust your reads, trust your ability to see the defense pre-snap, and fire it in accurately in and let your guy make a play. And also in that second, also make an adjustment. Right when you're stepping back, you can't just like again stare it down. Uh, like even like physically looking at it, but also you can't just predetermine where you're going to go with the ball. It's like, I'm going to pre-suggest the ball, I guess. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm looking, at the way I see it right now, my X receiver, my guy to my left, he's going to be open. So, you know, I take the snap, I look right to throw off whoever, and I'm getting ready. I'm going to take a quick peek, but I'm I'm reeling back, ready to fire it. But I'm also ready to pull it back and not throw it if I see the the cornerback, like with his mouth watering, you know, looking like the 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 wolf in the, those Tex Avery cartoons. Like, oh, I'm gonna take this to the house, and then you got to go to your next one. Like, if that's not open, my next one is a dump off to the or pull it down and run or whatever the play is, right? Whatever we all determine is the appropriate action for me to take. Um, I don't know that we're doing that. Like, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not in the I'm not in the huddle. I'm not in the I'm not right next to Seth the trail where he's grabbing the face mask and saying, 
hey, Jace, how about you throw it in bounds? Um, but I feel like something's not happening there, right? Because like you're saying, if if that's the play, if guys are running and the the quarterback looks like he's like, nobody's open and he's scrambling for his life, I feel like he he quickly went through his options and he didn't make his progressions. It should be, like, you know, is that you, you break the field down in halves. There's lots of ways to do it, right? But, but so you go up to the line, you say, okay, right side is kind of dead just based on formation, right? Left side is sort of where I'm looking. And based on the play, it goes, you know, corner or, you know, two to one to three. So basically, I'm going to look for the deep. That's not there. I'm going to look for the cor- the the short one. If that's not there, I'm going to look for my safety valve. And I don't know that we're always doing that. It's like one, oh, he's not open. Ah, let me just run around. And so then the second guy's like, I am continuing with my route. I should, you should throw me the ball. And when he doesn't, it's kind of like, well, I guess I got to pass. And so then that has a compounding effect because the next play, um, you know, the guy's like, well, if one is not open, I know he's going to take off running. So I'm not really ready to receive this ball. And then he does this play. And then all of a sudden the ball comes at him. He's like, oh, and he drops it. And then everybody's like, oh, you got to catch the ball. And he's like, you know what? Seven plays in a row. He's not throwing me the ball because uh, he's taking off running. So I was just getting ready for him to run. But now he fired it behind me two yards, and I wasn't really ready to make that catch. So I don't know. Um, that That's sort of how I see it. I, I, I do agree with you because I feel like sometimes it's like, you know what? Let's not design a play or let's not call the plays where he has to make complicated reads. Let's give him one read. And also, I know there's RPO, and it's basically one read sometimes. It's like throw it or hand it off. I get all that. A lot of this is a lot more complicated than we're making it, but I'm just saying it feels like we're making it also harder, uh, the staff, yeah, on, on, on our guys. I mean, the, I agree with all that you said, but but also, you know, we're, we're giving Ani these plays where he has to wait for something, right? You know, yeah. there's a difference between those 10 yard hitches versus just a cross or a stick where a guy goes up for a yard, turns around and then like kind of drifts towards the sideline mm-hmm. as, as an outlet for the quarterback. Mm-hmm. The, the, the line is collapsing before these receivers run five yards. And at that point, Ani's already scrambling to get out of the way. Um, you know, one benefit of, of running and clearing out the, all these wide receivers is that, that it clears out the defense. And that's why you see uh, Ani get, get these uh, rushing yards when he's scrambling, mm-hmm. which is, which I guess that's silver line, lining. But yeah, uh, the line isn't giving Ani enough time to, to pass. And so, so Latrell has to change his play calling to help him out there. Yeah, and, and you see, I, I think, you know, maybe if you had Seth Luttrell and, and uh, Mike Blowshot here, and he was like, look, this is what's happening, buddy. Um, I designed up a great play, and these guys ain't running it. Um, you, you can see how the offense works when we get five yards on first down, and the next one we RPO for a nice little little, uh, little out route or like something to uh, um, the tight ends or something like that. You can see how it clicks and how the offense is designed to have some options every time. And, you know, it's amazing what happens when you start executing the play, when the passes hit the receivers in the hands and they make the catch. And you're like, oh, we are getting open. Uh, we are, you know, creating some offense. We are creating opportunities for our guys. And I think just playing devil's advocate here since uh, they're not here, I'd say that it, the coaching staff probably is like, look, we designed this up. We're trying to give this guy some options. We talked about it. We've seen him execute it in practice and in, in some games. And sometimes Ani is that right there with his reads and he's hitting them. And sometimes he speeds up too much. His technique's off. 
or any, or he just doesn't see, you know, he's not playing the way we know he can play. He can panic a little bit too much or whatever, right? He just has a bad game. And, I mean, yeah, I don't know what you do with that, right? There's some times when some guys are just not performing, and that's the classic conundrum. How do you get a guy from not performing that well to performing very well? They pay you a million dollars for that, you know? Pay you lots of money for that that thing. Um, I think uh, there's no easy answers here. It's not looking good. I was uh, considering Arkansas. You mentioned them. Sam Pittman had them winning, right? They beat Texas. They beat Texas A&M. And he's like, it looks like we own all the state of Texas right there. And I was like, well, you know, North Texas, when they, they beat us, uh, then, then maybe. Because we whooped them. And I think West Kentucky whooped them the next season. But we whooped them. And then they were like, all right, let's fire our guy. Let's bring this Pittman guy on. And then they, now they're good now, right? Now they're winning games and everybody is doing the pig call or whatever. Um, we were there, right? We were whooping. We are getting the SEC wins. Everybody was like, hey, don't come see your mean green at the uh, at Apogee Stadium. Get your tickets now. And we are setting records, attendance records. And now we suck. Now we suck real, real hard. And uh, I was thinking of peak at like, uh, it's like UTSA came back against Memphis. I don't think Memphis is that good, but you know it's a it's a AAC game, and you know I was like they're four and zero. We just gotta look out for the Roadrunners and do it. They're getting a little bit of that hype. Uh, they're winning games, and you know um, I, I was thinking how quickly that could fall, how quickly it could change. That it was just a couple seasons ago where North Texas was winning and doing good things, and now it's bad. Same coaching staff, right? Same guys making the. the the decisions. It's just that they are not well, making them as well anymore. Something. I mean, same coaching staff for us, maybe, but but not yeah. for these other schools. You know, Jim yeah, yeah, Morris yeah. is gone at, at Arkansas. You got Frank Wilson gone at yeah, UTSA, yeah, yeah. and so th- those differences. And that was going to be my next, my the, the lead in here is is that you've got different coaching staff where where they're taking the same talent, but but doing more things with them. And and you know, Cynthia McCormick is an awesome running back, right? He can, he's the kind of, he's the, the Jalen Darden of, of UTSA that can yeah, take a game on their back. That That's the UTSA running back. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, um, so I, I don't know where I'm going there. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we had that momentum, like you were saying that we've, that's just faltered and, and it's hard to, to pick that up, especially when, when, you know, you could point to, hey, we beat Arkansas. Come to come to the game. Okay, yeah, let's, this is awesome. You know, you go to the Army game and, and the stadium's electric. But now we can't even compete against uh, SMU. We can't we can't beat La Tech. Um, and everybody's like, well, okay, well, we're back to old North Texas ways. Well, yeah, I, th- I think it's always the that's the nature of college football. That's what makes it great, and also makes it awful. Is that there's just every two, three seasons, it's a new cast, right? It's new squads. You you can't do a Belichick and say, well, I'm gonna, you know, I have Tom Brady for 15 years and then I'm always going to be good. It's super hard, ain't it, Tom, uh, Bill, when you don't have a quarterback that you believe in, right? They're rotating cast of characters now and now they look pretty mediocre. Job one in modern football is finding a quarterback. And, you know, job two is putting pieces around them that, uh, where they can succeed. I said that, you know, you, you mentioned Frank Wilson. I said that about him then is that it sucked for him is that he had, he had injuries, including to the, like the, the, the starting quarterback they have now. He, he, he kind of healed up. And now, uh, this guy trailer that UTSA is like, you know, whoa, it's so easy to win. Um, that 
Job one is find a quarterback. He couldn't find one. He, he had one, I think, when he started. Uh, the guy that had, like, a, a brief shot at going to the NFL. And then he had nobody. Couldn't find a guy. A lot of injuries, whatever. Um, you know, same deal with, like, Louisiana Tech. When they when they had a solid quarterback um, crew, they've been good. UAB, they're kind of the exception, <laughs> I guess, that they had, they've had they had some mediocre quarterback play. Like, you know, they're always mid-pack. But that guy Hopkins, right? He threw three scores against us last week. He threw two in the, in this one against Tulane, and this one he's like he's the best quarterback that ever was. All he does is throw touchdowns, apparently. Um, but you know, like, what is job of finding a quarterback for your system? Whatever that is, right? If if you require your quarterback to throw it fifty five times, then he needs to be able to throw it fifty five times. That means fifty five good decisions at minimum um, per game. Or if it's like UAB guys, and you're like, you know what? We just need you to turn the ball. Uh, turn around, hand the ball off a good amount of times. But every so often, we're going to ask you ask you to execute a play-action play. I want you to deliver it and take a hit. And if you can do that, then we'll win. And they have, and, they, and, and they've won. Um, so, yeah, that's it. That, to me, that's a big part of it. Mason Fine, I mean, his senior season was bad. And that tells me, like, the, the decision-making was starting to be off. Got a little too clever. Um and he he didn't have his best season. I think he kind of papered over some ills. So then it's like, okay, well, now it's time to really see what you got, uh, Seth Luttrell. Jason Bean, talent. Austin Ani, okay, sure, baseball guy, we'll see. And at the time, it was not unreasonable to give him the benefit of the doubt to say, look, you identified Mason Fine, and maybe you got lucky, whatever the case is, right? You get some credit for saying Yes, we'll take him. Yes, we'll give him the ball and, you know, coaching him up, whatever it is. Um, so same thing. If Ani pans out, we're like, man, quarterback guru finding finding quarterbacks in, in hidden places. If not, then we're like, mm, how come you're not finding some, you know, three, four stars? Whatever. Uh, getting Jace Ruder here. Again, you give him a little benefit of the doubt. I was like, well, maybe Ani and Jason Bean just didn't quite work out for it. It happens, right? You think a guy's going to be good. He has the resume. He comes into the job, doesn't perform, and you're like, you know what? There's no way I could have known. We had to see him in action. Uh, but now that we've seen him in action, let's get him out quickly. Let's fail fast here. Jace Ruder comes in. He has all the talent. He starts failing. Then Now it's reasonable to look at Seth Luttrell and say, how are we making? How are we evaluating quarterbacks here? Because I think we need to change that up a little bit. Maybe we lost a touch. Maybe we we haven't been sticking to fundamentals. Maybe this. Maybe that. Whatever it is, we just have to figure it out. Are we just that unlucky? That's possible. It's very possible to be very unlucky. But we just got to know that. And if we don't know that, then let's know that, right? Let's let's figure that out. Let's systematize our decision making. I think part of that is also hiring the right coaching staff, you know, because yeah. it's it's not like we have a lack of talent. We've been bringing in like top level conference USA talent uh, ranking in the top five. I can't even remember what, what our rankings have been in the recruiting classes last, last few years. Yeah. The, they've been good. Uh, and you've seen what Phil Bennett's doing with the defense. We, we've had good players yes. there, yes, but they have hadn't been coached up properly. I think the same thing is happening right now with the offense. We've got good players in place, but, but you know, we're not bringing in the right quarterbacks because maybe we don't have the right coaching staff in place to bring those right quarterbacks, or we don't have the coaching staff in place to coach them up properly. 
uh, maybe we don't have the right coaching staff to to uh, call the right plays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. That and that's again that's the part where like um, I don't know you, you could start looking at the. I asked Seth Luttrell, not in a rude way, but I was like, look, you hired three defense coordinators three seasons, you know, like what are you what are you doing, buddy? You know, essentially what I asked him, like you know, like what have you learned about your decision making process? Have you changed the way you hired and fired, or whatever? And he's like, oh yeah, we just want more, you know, we we just don't accept the. It was kind of a Seth Luttrell answer. Um, but yeah, it, I think you got to do the same thing, right? Like, you have you have to reevaluate your decision making. You have to say, how am I making coaching hire decision? How am I making player evaluation decisions? And am I doing those right? What assumptions am I making? Let me. Should I challenge these? Are they rooted in good, you know, <laughs> good science? I guess you know what I mean, like. I, it's, it's like that classic Dan McCarner thing. Like, nope, I only want quarterbacks that are six three or taller. It's like, well, maybe you're, you know, that you're eliminating a lot of your uh, large part of the talent pool there because there's talented guys under six three. Have you considered that? Um, you know, th- that's challenging your decision making criteria. Right? Are they rooted in in some basis of, of solid, you know, fact here um, that's going to lead to success? So I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is it uh, you know? Jace Ritter sure looks good when he's throwing the ball 50 yards down the field. Um, and that's how he got him in there. I don't know. And and that's that's kind of what I'm saying is, like, I think a large part of, say, like, Mike Leach's success, he's weird, pirate guy, whatever like that, I think is his ability to figure out what his system needs and what qualities are required to run it. Like, that core of decision making like whatever you want to say about Mike Leach six wins here you can't whatever he has consistently put out teams that score a lot of points and he develops them and they end up at at one point going man they're just doing that air raid thing again how did he do it 20 years later hadn't the game passed him by same thing with like Paul Johnson right running the triple option a lot of people could try to run the triple option but Paul Johnson like his real value was knowing what his system could do and what made a guy good at doing those things and then coaching him up and making him, you know, sharper and refining that thing. That was it. And, you know, I don't know that we have that anymore. I don't know that Seth Show has yeah. that, that ability. I don't know. Questioning that. And you've got a, a guy like Sonny Dykes coming into SMU, again, Raid Branch, and, and doing that at SMU as well. Um, but the thing is, you know, uh, back to the example with Arkansas and, and um, UTSA, you know, Franklin Wilson and Chad Morris brought in talent. They couldn't coach him up. Then you bring in these other guys and they're like, oh, my God, Trailer's so awesome. Well, yeah, he, he is good credit to him, but he also had a good talent pool in place at UTSA. He just had the right staff to coach them up. Latrell did that with Dan McCarney uh, recruits first yeah. year where uh, first couple of years they went to a conference USA championship. Well, they were not as talented as the guys they have now, but, but whatever happened, they, they were able to get to a championship game. They didn't have any business doing uh, being there, but yeah. But you remember did. you were discounting that championship game. You were on this podcast saying, nah, it's not one. It's not good. I actually, I'm not going to even watch it because it doesn't matter. We're going to go to like eight of them. I remember that. I remember your comments, uh, Aldo. Maybe I said seven, <laughs> maybe not eight. No. So yeah, I think that's a good point. Like that was a question we brought up, right? Uh, you know, I said that, what we try to do on this podcast, on the blog, or whatever, is kind of orient ourselves, right? What's an appropriate amount of overreaction, right? So, like, the question, new hire, can you 
impose your system, make those decisions, get guys to buy in, right? And then as you move along, okay, guys are leaving the program. Can you find talent for your system, for your program, for your beliefs? And then after the previous regime graduates and leaves, it's like, okay, can I find my guys, right? Um, that was a question. Can I recruit? It's time for me to show. And I think, at least offensively, you know, I, said, I still want to give Seth Luttrell and staff credit for Jalen Darden. He was a Seth Luttrell recruit. He's he's in the NFL now, right? Jalen Guyton, he was a you know transfer. He was a Seth Luttrell recruit. He's in the NFL now. Uh, Rico Bussey, um, you know, he was a Seth Luttrell guy. I think or he might have been a late Dan McCartney guy. Um, but I give him a lot of credit because he was in the program for a long time, and you know he developed, he got better. There's a lot of guys that improved, right? Or they they showed improvement because you know you could see some dudes that first year, that first Seth Luttrell season, right? Um, you're like, man, some of these guys were not good. What was it that was it Turner number one? He played reserve. He was he he, he was inconsistent uh, in the McCartney era, and then. Seth Luttrell era, he was all of a sudden catching clutch passes and scoring and stuff. Credit him for a lot of his own development, but also the staff, right? Joel Falani showing him what it means to be a high-level receiver, right? Um, so anyway, continuing on, some guys have done really good stuff being in Seth Luttrell's program. So credit there, but you got to keep you got to keep proving that, right? It's, you can't just look back like, man, I sure was good once upon a time. So you got to be good now. You got to be good again. You got to keep finding guys, and that is the grind, right? Yeah. Nick Saban is good, like... not because he found one Hall of Fame, uh, you know, one Heisman Trophy winner five seasons ago. Is that he keeps finding them? He keeps bringing them in. There's more guys that could win more Heisman trophies there. And, and I guess that's my my confusion, or, or not confusion, but like Confused. my surprise is like like Latrell has <laughs> has brought in or or had a roster that is not complete you know at the beginning yeah. he didn't have a full scholarship roster yet he's still able to put out pull out wins this year that's not happening and that's like like what, what's going on on paper it, it's like it's like star wars one through three right on paper it's a good movie there it's a good script the the, the premise is, is pretty interesting but then the the execution uh <laughs> of, of the filming was was not great right Latrell did his Star Wars four through six, and now he's on one through three. So I, I don't know, what, I don't know what to say there. Well, uh, at the risk of derailing his podcast, I would say that a large reason reason why A New Hope and those the original trilogy were good, because he was stealing classic Space Ranger stories. So the script was written for well, him. And um, and there were no there were no expectations there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they said like it's a it was classic hero's journey. You almost can't go wrong with the classic hero's journey. Everybody loves that. It's still one of the oldest tale. Also, I made this joke on the deranged penguin podcast. So shout out to, to my own other podcast. That I want you to listen to, um, is that one thing, one problem I have with like prequels is like Gotham, the show Gotham, right. And you show like young commissioner Gordon is that I don't care. I don't want to know the set. If that was an interesting story, we would have had Gotham, the, the comic book. We did it. The story started with, hey, guy becomes Batman, and he starts fighting crime. That's the start of the story. And it's it's only because of that story so good that we even sort of care about it. But you're just, you're devaluing the main story, main story 
by making us care about how it all started. Like, look at Commissioner Gordon. Go to the police academy. Nobody cares. The story started when it started. That's when it matters. That's why I don't care about no prequels. Um, you know, it can be done, but it, you just you have to be very good at it. You have to be really good at world building, and then also like make it like you you enhance the story later on, uh, rather than than devalue, just kind of mine it. Uh, and I think that's what the Star Wars prequels did. Contrast that with like say Better Call Saul, which is a better show than Breaking Bad. Like they did a better job of enhancing that other story by telling them a better story in the prequel. That's a great job. And said so you could do it. The rules are there for like I said, for everybody else who has no talent and then the people that have a lot of talent, they don't they don't need those rules because they you know, they can they can do you can throw Patrick Mahomes doing hydroplaning, you know, you can fire a touchdown that way. He doesn't need rules because he can do that. Everybody else, you know, you need some rules. So, I never watched Gotham, but but is Commissioner <laughs> oh, Gordon like? Does he go into police academy and like getting into hijinks? He's got a friend who can make <laughs> weird noises with his mouth. Like I that. don't know, but like I said, a lot of it is like it because I go into it like, man, this this just doesn't look good. It looks like a money grab. I I couldn't I could not get into it. I just I watched a little bit, like five minutes of it, and no, thank you. I will not. Uh, just because it just it just doesn't ever work. It doesn't ever work out. I'll, I'll, my my favorite superhero character has always been Batman, so I'll probably <laughs> take some time to to, to watch it. Yeah, I you mean, know, cause growing up we had the animated series. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like here's another good prequel: Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies was a good show. <laughs> Muppet <laughs> <Underrated>. Babies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They, they remade it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the remake's not as good. I don't like it. The old uh, ones. Some of that. That's like that's like eighty percent nostalgia talking. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. It was like I was trying. I was, you know, Muppet Baby was always funny. What is this new one? And I don't know. We're just like this. This sucks. It was anyway. a classic show. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. My kids watched it. They, they loved it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That that's that's a prequel sort of. <laughs> you know. <It's, laughs> But yeah, you see what I'm saying is that like there's a lot of times when if you if you can't think of a new Batman story, you're like, what if we just go back in time? Like, what about what about Batman in high school? What was he like? Nobody cares. I don't care what Batman was like. When he became interesting is when he said, you know what, I'm gonna be Batman now. I'm gonna do some Batman stuff. And you're like, whoa, let's pay attention to this guy. He's gonna dress up at night and fight crime. That's the interesting part. When he's like, ah, oh, I got AP bio. That's not interesting. That's just pretty regular stuff. You know. Like, oh, man, you know. And if he were showing these kind of tendencies, then that's actually when it started. And whatever. You know what I mean? Like I said, it just, it's, you're, again, you're devaluing all these other decisions. Then Batman, Batman Year One doesn't matter anymore because you said he was actually fighting crime when he was, uh, you know, in junior high. And that's what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're mining the good just because you have no ideas and you're terrible for everybody. Anyway, so that's... uh. That's my hot sports. <laughs> I know we're take. all derailed. <laughs> I mean, this is what happens. This is what happens when the football. We're like, well, where are we going to beat Missouri? Uh, did I tell you about Gotham? <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's a new Batman movie coming out with Robert Pattinson, and I'm pretty excited. And and um, uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah, and I, mean, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know I'm, if anybody out there. I'm a I Batman. Say, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if anybody is out there, you know, that reads a lot of Batman comics. Uh, but I'm excited to see if they, because you know, when you're talking about prequels, let's try this thing, let's try that thing. They tried the thing where they they brought back, they didn't bring back, but they they did a storyline with Bat, uh, Batman's dad, 
mm-hmm. in a different timeline. Yeah. And that was fantastic. So I'm curious if they're going to do that as well. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Th- those those can be like deep cuts. It feels like, you know, like you know, people are like, say Pearl Jam or something like that, right? And like the top level, you're just like, man, those are some good songs. And I know they're good songs because like I played in the car. It was like Better Man, right? My kid, she's five and she's like, yeah, what's this song called? And we told her, and then later on, she was requesting it. She's like, hey, can you guys put on Better Man? And I was like, that's what? All right, it is a good song. Let's put it on. Anyway. It warms your heart. Yeah, well, so <laughs> my, the um, point in all that is, right, like, they're good on the surface, right? And if you've been listening to Pearl Jam for, I don't know, 30 years or 40 years, or I don't know how long they've been around, but, you know, you know those guys that are super into Pearl Jam, that to really appreciate it more, now they're like, you know, I, I really like... Um, better man I, I wonder if they've ever done it acoustic and then they listen to that or they find their favorite concert performance of it you know when they're in vancouver and they play that song that was the best my fa- my favorite version is vancouver 92 you know when they played it and they had it you know like it ends up being super deep cut and then um you know kind of like esoteric and you're just kinda, that's that seems like very specific and weird configuration uh to like a song that's that's good you know i, I like the one that was on the album um uh, what i'm saying about that is like that it's kind of how it is about the characters uh like batman like you watch a lot of batman if you absorbed it or whatever it is your favorite thing and then you're like oh you know for it to be good he needs to make sure that he has like the one kind of gauntlet because that was really you know and you, you're basically saying the batman i appreciate is vancouver 92 when they had the original lineup and and it sounds like that to people like oh. so I, i'm i try not to be like that i was watching the old batman serial Right, it's like on TCM, the TCM app. Mm-hmm. It's bad, you know. The guys in a, like in like what is now a, like basically the kids' equivalent Batman costume. But he was up there, you know. He's fighting some guys, fighting some Nazis or something. I don't know what. Uh, and my kids were we're all watching it. We we're all enthralled by it. I was like, this, you know, this is the, the essence of Batman. <laughs> what is the it's essence? So campy. Yeah. And you're talking about Adam West Batman, right? Not even that. It was the 39 serials, like the old, old oh, school. Yeah. Oh, black and white. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. And and my kid was like, was that it? It's like, what's going to happen next week? It was, you could see that those were the source of parody for the 60s ones. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been 40s. Because it ends and they're like, oh, come to the same theater. We'll figure out if Batman's going to, you know, escape from the fiery cauldron. My kids are like, does he escape? I want to know. What's the next one? Put the next one on. I was <laughs> what like, happened? They actually don't have the next one. They're like, what? Yeah. Anyway, that's the whole same bet time, same bet channel. You know, they're just riffing off of that. Everybody's doing a little nostalgia. In the '60s, they were saying, "Hey, you remember those serials? Weren't they silly? What if we did that, but like silly?" And then in the '80s, they're like, "Remember the the campy ones? Those are too silly. Let's take Batman Dark. You know, whatever." Everybody keeps doing nostalgia. That's what happened. Anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Deranged Penguin Podcast. It's like, at the end, it was the Deranged Penguin Podcast. It's again, second advertisement. It's been a Batman podcast. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, well, that's I'm doing advertisement for, for my other podcast because I do do it. And Aldo does your golfing thing. Are you starting I do again? some golfing thing. Yeah, uh, been doing nerdy golfers. Uh, haven't been doing much lately with all the house moving and the renovation. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's it. There's more to life than talking about the football things. Enjoy your Sunday, if you're listening on Sunday, or if you're listening throughout the week. Enjoy your time. Take your kids for ice cream. I took my kids for ice cream. Then they think I'm the best dad ever. There's a lot of easy wins there, right? It's very much, 
taking the five yard out. You know what I mean? Like, you know what? I could go for the home. Just right here. Get a quick win, you know? Easy completion. Here's some ice cream, kid. Thanks, Dad. I love you. You're the best. Yeah, I know it, kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, you always got to keep that fr- freezer fully stocked because we got the we got sandwich ice cream, we got regular, you know, out of the pint ice cream, and yeah. then we have the the popsicles, the bolis. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, See, what, I'm not, what it's I'm, called I'm in not, English? <laughs> yeah, I'm not averse to to bribing my kids. I was like, you know, that was a great job. Maybe y'all deserve a treat, and they're like, oh, we get a treat. I was like. Uh, but actually, this was the extra special. We went downtown to a little ice cream shop that we had gone to, like, you know, kind of like on Friday afternoons kind of thing. Um, and we kind of ate outside, you know, masked up, bought our ice cream, ate outside and enjoyed it. I think we always get that place business because we we're sitting outside eating ice cream. You know, who can you see the little kids enjoying their ice cream? You're like, yeah, I like ice cream. And you start looking around. Did you get it from here? And they go in, and they buy their own ice cream and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a little special treat. And whenever they're like, Dad, uh, I want to watch that. I was like, nah, it's not good. You remember, you, we already had, you know, you already had your treat. You remember you had ice cream? Very dad rules. Ladies and gentlemen, for real, this has been the Ming Green Nation podcast. And uh, tell your friends, uh, we're, we're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about something every week, um, even if it's not 100% about the Ming Green. Just because uh, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of winning going forward, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. Are we gonna do there's, a bi- the, I was gonna say, are we gonna do there's a, go- <laughs> are, is <laughs> gonna be a bi week podcast? Zoom. Yes. <laughs> go ahead, speak. Uh, I said I was gonna say there's only so much pain I can take. Yeah, I mean, you can see it. Like, there's not a lot of engagement, which is corny, whatever. This is supposed to bring us together. It's supposed to be fun. It's also something to talk about. It's okay to feel passionate about it. It's okay to feel sports sad about it. But keep it to be sports sad and don't, I don't know, rage at your kids or something like that. I was one of those kids that used to, like, like my mood on Monday was really determined about how well the Cowboys played, you know, the day previous. And I also grew up in the, you know, like, I was a kid, formative years, late 90s, early 2000s, where there was a lot of bad Cowboys football. You know, a lot of six and ten seasons there. So those Mondays, I was not the best. I was not in the best mood. I was like, God, Dave Campbell, what are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, back in the '90s, I was a basketball guy. So uh, you know, Spurs. I lived, growing up in Austin, there's no home team, right? So we'd either root for the Spurs or we'd root for the Rockets. Sports running out here. Look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hey, yeah, that it was. There was no, football wasn't really a uh, talk when I guess it, I, I missed out on a lot of good Cowboys years in the late no, 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, a yeah. lot of concussion. <laughs> um, I, I think, well, I mean, you had Austin, right? Were you not rooting for Ricky Williams and the, the Longhorns or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. College football, for sure. I was thinking more like professional NBA and NFL. But yeah, yeah. we had Ricky Williams, Jamal Charles, Cedric Benson. Mm. Uh, those were some good football back then. Yeah. Uh, Sports Ronin Alto out here. He will root for your team for money. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have fun. We're going to keep doing this in case you're wondering, like, oh, I don't want to listen to those guys. They're just going to be sad and talk about how everything sucked. Uh, no, nah, I promise you, we're, we're not. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to be like, man, did you see that terrible throw? That was awful. That was bad. And then, I don't know, uh, we might have to talk some more Gotham. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we're done. Enjoy your Sunday. Go Ming Green. You go Ming Green?